Everybody, welcome to another episode of Marcus and Eric Learn Stuff from Smarter People. I'm Eric Newman. I'm Marcus Monroe. And we have an amazing guest for you today. We have uh, an incredible radio personality, DJ, VJ, and comedian Cypher Sounds is here, guys. What's up, guys? How are you? Cypher in the house. This is a big get for us. No, no, no. You're going to be... Uh, hardly disappointed. Not, not <laughs> true. Not true. Why? Let me ask you something. I already, I already have critiques. What's the name of the show? The name of the show is Marcus and Eric learn stuff from smarter people. Marcus and Eric learn stuff from smarter people. But then when you introduced yourself, Eric, you said your name first, and then you put Marcus's name. Is Marcus' name first or not? I think it's first. I'm usually the one doing the intro, so it makes sense for me. Keep the shit consistent, guys. <laughs> Damn it. Keep it consistent. Let's start over. No, no, no. You're going to show the world this fuck up. You're going to show the world this fuck up, and hopefully somebody will learn from it. No, we'll start over. My name is Marcus Monroe. <laughs> and I'm Eric Newman. And this is Eric and Mark. Damn it. We messed it up again. Oh, Shit. Cypher, you made him nervous, bro. I'm, I'm, my, my palms are sweaty. My knee's weak. It's mom's spaghetti. <laughs> well, I'm speak I love mom's spaghetti. I wanted to open a store in New York of all Detroit foods, and, and the main dish would be mom's spaghetti. Amazing. Whose mom would be making it? I don't know. Some Italian bitch. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on track here. Uh, Saif, thanks for uh, teaching us a lesson in radio and podcasting. Sure. You have an incredibly impressive Wikipedia page. Very little controversy. No controversy. No controversy. I try to keep my name clean. I, it's, I'm, I'm big on that. I'm big on keeping a clean name. Where did your passion for radio come from? I didn't really have a passion for radio until I was already at the radio station for many years. I just had a passion for hip-hop music and hip-hop DJing. And for whatever, whichever ways I got into Hot 97, being there just to be a DJ, I just wanted to be on the radio so that more clubs would book me. And then... Uh, when I was there, then I started learning about the actual art of radio and the and the medium and started getting better at it and then fell in love with it. But it was probably like five or six years after I had already been at the radio station. I didn't search it out, you know, it just kind of happened. Yeah, and it's interesting that distinction you just made with like loving, you know, music, loving hip hop. Yeah. And then you have to learn the business, right? That's like its own. Correct. It's just its own thing, right? It's like, a, and and it's. And it's equally as important as actually the music itself, right? I tell people all the time, radio is not the music business. It's technically the advertising business. The music is just a vehicle to get the advertising out. So, like, I got into it because of the music, but really, I learned so much more. Marketing, promotions, advertising, you know, just regular... Even though Hot 97 was a cool place, it still was a corporate job, you know? So I still had to learn all the ins and outs of being in a corporate structure. So how did you get into Hot 97? What was your, like, foot in the door? I used to work with this DJ named DJ Riz. He was in a DJ crew with Funkmaster Flex. And I would go, I would carry Riz's crates everywhere we went and just straight intern. And then I met Flex. And then... um. Riz didn't want to open the Tunnel nightclub anymore because he started getting his own gigs. So I, they hired me to be the opener. And then that's when I met Flex. And then uh, Flex changed his time slot 
uh, instead of just being a DJ, he also became a radio personality and he was on from seven to 10. So he needed like an intern to like help him. He liked that I was always on point at the club. I always showed up early. I was the last one to leave. I was always on point. So he's like, hey, you want to work at the radio station with me? And uh, from there, it just, you know, became my whole life. Amazing, dude. And I love that you're one of the guys who really like paid his dues, didn't have any shortcuts, you know, like started as an intern and now you are where you are. My whole life is I had no nepotism whatsoever. I have no family members that are connected in any way. I didn't come from money and I just wanted to figure out a way to get involved with the things I wanted to do and working for free for a lot of different people accomplish that. So that's like something I teach. And listen, if your uncle is connected, use your uncle. If you come from money and you want to do something, use your money. But if not, how the fuck do the rest of us get in? And I just try to find ways to do that. I love that. And by the way, you said you had no family members. You're the family member now. You're the guy that people go, oh, shit, I know a cypher. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely use that too. Which is amazing. And I think in its own right, I think, I, I mean, I would, I'm, I'm the same way, man. I had nobody in the business. Everybody was in, you know, like a lawyer, doctor, all that shit. You yeah. Know? I had to, you know, carve it out. So I love that, man. I admire that path so much. And I think it's, I think it's awesome. What, um, so, so tell me, I guess what happened after, um, so you stated you had your show on hot 97 and then what started to happen? What other doors started to open for you? Who did you start to meet? How did you, how did you progress in the business? Even before I had my own show, just being Funkmaster flexes, what I call bitch boy, you know, the, the, the first talk flex ever had with me was don't let these record company guys get in your ear because now that they know that I have Flex's ear, because he, I was a guy, you know, I was the young guy in the streets. So he used to come for me for all the latest new music. Right, and I'm sure, so people were coming to you all the time with their mixtapes and their CDs. Yo, play this, play that. Right, even, even, even labels, even labels were like, Flex is giving us a hard time on this song. Maybe we could get it and slip it in through Syph. So I had to be very careful about that. So like if you're not if you're not getting booked at if SD is not booking you at the cellar you got to go through Liz so you're like the Liz in this situation yeah, exactly exactly for certain things yes <laughs> but he was always very 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 peculiar about like don't let them get in your ear keep it pure if a song is hot in the streets let me know if somebody's trying to convince you it's hot don't fall into that trap but then a lot of things started opening up like I started getting cool. With all the artists, I got to get, I got to go to video shoots and and album release parties, and then um, I was a great filling guy. Like if so and so's DJ was sick, I, you know, they'd be like, "Hey, can you come to Virginia with us and do this show?" Or and then uh, I started getting A and R jobs. I A and R at Ruckus Records, Tommy Boy Records. I A and R for Pharrell's label, and that was just being like, you know, people knew me from like breaking music and also giving music to flex to break. So they were like, okay, if you know how to break music, once we sign it, help us find new artists that we should sign. Yeah, can you give us an, an example, Syph, of, of a new artist that you broke you, or you helped break? I mean, Rihanna's the biggest one that everyone always talks about. Rihanna, I broke her. Like, no one, she did not exist before I played her on the radio. Wow, dude, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the biggest one, but like Rick Ross, Sean Paul, those are the ones that I take a lot of credit for. But then there was like certain songs that I broke, like Mob Deep, Quiet Storm, uh, 50 Cent Wankster, Cameron. Yeah, like I was like, I, maybe not the first one to play, but I put the umph behind it, you know? You put him over in wrestling terms. 
Exactly. Exactly. Dude, dude, looking at your age makes me feel so bad about my own life, dude. <laughs> nah, trust the fact me. that you've been able to accomplish all this stuff, man. I mean, it's it's at this point. I mean, it's it's just crazy. But he's still going too. He's You're acting going. like he's done. He's not done. I hate corny motivational type stuff, but it really is the journey. You know what I mean? Like you got to enjoy the journey. But as I get older and look back, I realize there were some things that I wish I would have got. Like I didn't. I never got the rings like Kobe did. I don't know if this is right. I feel like I'm more like a Carmelo Anthony. Does that make sense? <laughs> Give yourself more credit than that, dude. Yeah, bro. <laughs> There's a couple, like, life lessons now. I would, a couple things I would do differently. But I also don't, I have no regrets. When I left Hot 97, people always ask me if I miss it. And I say, I miss being on the radio on, like, a Saturday and feeling the streets go crazy. But I don't miss anything else about it. I don't miss the 4.30 a.m. wake-ups. I miss the performing part, which is something I still do. I still perform. With with your stand-up schedule now, you can't do 4.30 a.m.s anymore. Oh, no, I was, I was doing it. I was doing stand-up when I was on the air. Stand-up was way easier to do than DJing clubs. Because if you do stand-up, it's like 7 to midnight, roughly in that time frame. Where clubs is like, you know, midnight to 4 a.m. So I felt better about doing stand-up when I had the morning show. Do you recall the first time that you had your own show? The first time you hosted your own show? No, not really, because it's not one big day. It's like you fill in for somebody, and then that, like, I remember I was doing a show at midnight on Saturday nights at midnight. I was filling in for um, DJ Scribble. Remember DJ Scribble? DJ Scribble. Yeah, exactly. So I was filming it for him, and then he never came back. So then it kind of like became like my first show. But it didn't, but there was never no. And now introducing the Cypher Sales show, you know, kind of just like, hey, you, you can do this, you know, do this for a little while. So there was not no big special moment. Even when I got the morning show, before we got the morning show, we were doing like this pre-morning show. Because they were like kind of training us. So it all kind of blends together. I never looked at it as like one big thing. At what point uh, did you meet Chappelle? And, and what was that like? Chappelle I met through Most Def and Talib Kweli in, I want to say, 99 or 2000. I was friends with Most and Kweli and I was A&R, Ruckus Records. And, you know, Chappelle is on Kweli's um, first album. He's doing like sketches. Like he's doing like Nelson Mandela's voice. And I forget what else. Pal, I met like a rapper. Like he loves hip hop. He loves music, period. So I just met him around those guys. And then um, one night we were at a party and hanging out. He was like, hey, I'm going to go over to the comedy cell and do a set. You want to roll? So I was like, yeah, I'll come roll. I had some girl with me. It was like, we just walked in. It was, you know, cool. And then after he did that set, he did like two hours. He asked me to to DJ the pilot of, of the what became the Chappelle show. He didn't even have a name. He was like, oh, I'm doing this pilot for Comedy Central. He's like, would you like DJ in the beginning? I was like, yeah, sure. Like, it sounds fun. And then it became the Chappelle show. History, man. You're in it. Yeah, man. Also, yes. I did that for Chappelle. It becomes a Chappelle show. It's part of history. But I say yes to a lot of things. And they sometimes end up being nothing. Yeah, I mean, you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. This probably won't be a part of history. I'm doing this podcast with um, Marky and Eroy. I know those not your names, guys. I was fucking around. <laughs> close. I'll take it. If you can, Sive, you can say my name any way you want. Nah, I got it, Eroy. <laughs> You know, that becomes, but that's, that's what I teach people. Like, 
You never know where the opportunities are going to come from. He didn't even seem like he gave a fuck about that pilot. Matter of fact, I saw him again, like, I don't know, like six months later or whatever. And I was like, hey, whatever happened with that pilot thing? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, they picked it up. I'm doing a show. Hey, you want a DJ on the show? And I was like, I guess, do you even want to do this show? <laughs> and then, but, but look what it became. So you never know, like, you, you go and fight for these great opportunities and, like, some weird ask might be the biggest thing in one of the biggest things in your life. That's true. So if you if you had to give advice to someone who wants to get into radio, get into comedy, uh, what advice do you give someone? The main thing I always say is like, don't worry about the money, which I hate when people say like, no, it's the, you know, don't, it's the, you know, the money will come. But it is true. Like, you got to get, you got to put in a lot of hours. And, you know, there's certain jobs that if you really love, you got to put in that, that dedication. I tell people all the time, like I'm, I'm mentoring this kid right now. He's not even a kid, he's a man, but I'm mentoring him with comedy. And I'm like, roll with me because you'll meet a lot of people and you'll get into rooms that you normally wouldn't get into. But also, don't skip the open mics. Don't skip the bar shows. Don't skip the weird fucking COVID rooftop shows and backyard shows. Like, go out and do them and, and, and meet the people and like, you have a little bit of a leg up because you can say you know me and that'll probably help you get a spot. But, you know, do as much as you can. And and you got to, you know, hanging out is a big part of it. Like, I opened for Michelle Wolf a lot. And one time I couldn't do this show. And she's like, hey, you know, who, who should fill in for you? And I named a couple comics. And she was like, oh, my God, that hang would be horrible. And it's like something you don't even think of. Like, they are killers on stage. Hilarious. But do you want to hang out with them? So you don't even think about something like that, where you might not get an opportunity because people look at you like, oh, he's kind of annoying, or he's so boring, or he's too wild. You know what I mean? Like, so you got to, like, think about those things, too. You got to think the jokes. Obviously, the jokes are important. I mean, most important. And being on point is important. But also, like, are you a cool hang? Are you trustworthy? Are you reliable? Like, my thing is, I have a car, so I always offer to drive. Hey, I'll drive. Hey, you're doing a gig in Jersey or Philly? I'll drive. You know what I mean? Still, to this day, I'm a, I'm very famous in New York. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I do know that. I'm very aware. <laughs> but I'll still, ask, I'll still ask Mark Norman or Sam Morell if I can go with them on a gig. You know what I mean? Because you never know who you're going to meet. And... Stage time to stage time, no matter what, no matter what. It seems like it's pretty clear that you never lost that focus on just working hard from intern to even now where you are. It seems like you just still have that. It's still in your bones, which is great. It's fun to me. Yeah, it's very fun to me. Like The pandemic was very rough because I wasn't working, but because my work is my fun. So it was a rough time. And also he beat Saifa on a side note, became my relationship counselor for a minute there during the pandemic. Oh, yeah? Like the hardest moment oh, of my man. life. <laughs> I think everyone you talked to became your relationship counselor. <laughs> yeah, but I actually trust him. <laughs> what do you think your focus is going to be? I mean, like your main focus is going to be in the next 10, 15 years. Obviously, you know, like you're an established comic now, right? You're performing at the cellar most nights yeah. and, yep. and all that. So do you think you keep going in the direction of comedy? Do you think you keep it even 50-50 or do you stay towards? But what, what do you what do you want to do? What do you think? Comedy is number one. Obviously, uh, I love stand-up comedy. I've incorporated 
my DJ skills into my stand-up, which is a cool little trick that I haven't seen any other person ever do. I've seen comedians have DJs like Dave Chappelle or Hannibal Burris, but I've never seen a comedian who is a DJ and actually does jokes with music. So that's one of my that's one of my things I'm focused on. I want to be on TV and movies, not necessarily be a superstar. Be I like Hannibal's career. I like Hannibal's career where it's like, he's in a lot of things. Everyone loves him. He's on Broad City. He's on Eric Andre's show. He's on in movies. You know, you get treated so well when you're like called in to do a two-week spot in a movie. And then all that fuels his stand-up shows. Wherever he goes, he can do a pop-up and they're packed. You know what I mean? And not necessarily have to just do all the... I want to do all the, the regular clubs, the improvs, the funny bones. But also... You know, if you're in fucking somewhere in Michigan and you're like, hey, I'm in town, I'm doing a pop-up at this little 400-seat theater and it's packed, that's great to me. That's amazing. That's a fun life. Yeah. No, yeah, Hannibal's career. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome... Uh, you're going to call out the next Bill Cosby? I had some issues with R. Kelly before. <laughs> oh, oh, shit, really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 Scythe, I just want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I learned a lot, but before we go, I need to ask you because I'm so dumb when it comes to radio. Like, yes, can you break this down for me? Like, I'm a fifth grader. How does the radio even work? There's a room. Like, I was on in the studio. In the studio, there's a board. You know, you put the mics up, the, the volume up on the board. You talk on the radio. There's other what they call pots. Those are the, the little levels and whatever music or whatever sound effects, commercials, all play through there. Then mm -hmm. if anything goes wrong, I go down the hall to the department that says engineering and I knock on their door and I go, hey, something's not working. And then they take it from there. So what radio works with, with a guy called the engineer Steve. Okay. Okay. So every radio station <laughs> needs an engineer Steve. So you can broadcast. Let me tell you something. I remember, this is going to sound horrible. I remember 9-11. On top of the tragedy, most radio stations in New York's antennas were on top of the World Trade Center. And it's 9-11, and the engineer from Hot 97 goes, oh, thank God our antennas on the Empire State Building. <laughs> Oh my God, that's hilarious. Oh my God. All he was thinking about was the antenna. You know, you want to back it when we were, I don't know how old you guys are, but remember when you were a kid, you could watch TV through the antenna? Yeah. You, you know, you, you'd put the TV in like your grandmother's house. It just, the TV was just on, like the, the basic channels like NBC, CBS, ABC. You know, that doesn't exist anymore after 9 11. After 9 11, after the towers went down, the antennas, that made those channels work on TV were on top of the World Trade Center and they never fixed them because they were just like, we were looking for a way to get out of this anyway and this just did it for us. So antennas don't work anymore. Wow, and that's and, and September 11th was what was the divide there? They were trying to figure a way to go digital anyway, digital signal, but they didn't know how to convince old people to go, you know what I mean? Like, they'll never do it. How are we going to make these people all switch to a digital signal? You know, thanks, Bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we want to shout out Bin Laden for all his great work here in radio. Well, Saifa, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Saif, man. Really appreciate it, man. 
Oh, no problem. I'll see you guys later. You said the exact same thing I just said. We both really appreciate it. <laughs> that was so crazy. Dude, I didn't. I had no idea that September 11th had so much impact on radio and TV. Well, Eric Newman, everybody. This was Marcus and Eric Learn Stuff from Smarter People. My name is Marcus Monroe. And I'm Eric Newman. There's a new episode next week. Check it out. Thanks for watching and listening. Bye. Hi, everybody. Sorry to interrupt this show that you're probably enjoying, but I'm comedian Kevin Dombrowski, who you probably don't know. Joined weekly by my producer, Adam, a little bit more well-known than me, Hineker. Say hi, Adam. True. He's got a point. Uh, dial it back. Each episode, I'll sit down with a very famous comedian that you probably do know, and if they're not famous, you probably know them anyway, and we'll break down what's happening in the world by making fun of all of it. This is Just Joking on the Paper House Network. No interviews, no arguments, just jokes. Now, back to your show that you were already enjoying. <laughs>